Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast God's Holy Word, and this is episode 36, and we are going to take a look at a verse in Nehemiah. But first of all, I want to give a big shout out to my listeners. So let me go to my list here because you guys are awesome. I love to see you here. So a big shout out to Texas, Oklahoma, Virginia, California, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, Florida and Tennessee. In terms of countries, the United States, Senegal, Namibia, Canada, Australia, India, New Zealand and Germany. Awesome. It's good to see you guys there. So I wanted to read to you the verse Nehemiah 8:10 and it's from the TLB translation. And this verse is really beautiful. It's short and sweet, but it's packed with so much meaning. I just love it. So here it is. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Short and sweet to the point. I'll say it again. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What I love about this verse is the words joy, Lord, strength and also your. Okay, so let's go ahead and break this puppy apart and dive into it a little bit deeper. because it is really neat here. So I think it's important to know what some of these words mean or actually all of them, but I think it's good to understand their definitions because it brings more meaning to it. You know, for example, I can say, you know, drinking a hot chocolate brings me joy. But what does the word joy actually mean? Because it it will enlighten the mind and strengthen your your faith and renew your soul when you understand what the word joy means and what these other words mean in regards to God's holy word and how much he loves you and adores you and protects you and and just wants to hold you in his ever loving arms i mean that's that's the love of our heavenly father but the word joy the first definition and this is from merriam webster the first definition is the emotion the emotion evoked by well-being success or good fortune or by or by the prospect of possessing what one desires also known as delight. The other definition is the expression of exhibition of such emotion. The next one is a state of happiness or felicity or bliss. The next definition is a source or cause of delight. Now let's take a look at some of the synonyms here because one thing I love to take a look at whenever I'm looking at the definition of a word, I'd like to see what words are very similar to the to the word that I'm looking up because it brings it brings completion if that makes sense it just makes it even more relevant and to me it makes it more easily understood even if i already know what these words mean it's nice to have them in groups because not only does it increase your knowledge and your vocabulary but it really it just really broadens your perspective in terms of the true meaning of God's holy word and usually when someone is referring to broadening your scope or your perspective that's not always a positive thing but in regards to God's holy word that is always a positive thing so we're not looking at things from the world's point of view we're looking at it through God's point of view which is his holy word because he is the truth the way and the life right and plus his son and the holy spirit all those things go together in the triune god which is father son holy spirit so some synonyms for joy is blessedness bliss blissfulness felicity gladness happiness and warm fuzzies <laughs> i love that that's really quite wonderful i haven't heard the term warm fuzzies in a long time <laughs> it reminds me of the care bears you know i am uh, someone that grew up in the 80s and i grew up on shira care bears My Little Ponies, Smurfs, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, Shamu, and unfortunately Captain Planet, which my mother hated that show because it was truly brainwashing of children. So she banned us from watching Captain Planet, <laughs> which looking back I could see why. And then I also grew up watching Batman, the animated uh, cartoon, and um, Gargoyles, and there was another one. Oh, Transformers. love that one absolutely love it so grew up on quite a quite a bit but the warm fuzzies reminds me of care bears um i just love that show is is so wonderful but some more synonyms in regards to the word joy is delight exuberant exult glory jubilate rejoice and triumph all those words 
we can get from God's holy word. Because all those are all those are very positive ways of practicing our faith because there is nothing negative in God. There's no hate, there's no evil. Now let's take a look at the antonyms of the word joy. I really like to look at opposites because I I am I find my comfort sometimes in black and white yes and no situations and decision making because it eliminates a lot of uncertainty and sometimes there are gray areas in life but I find that when I keep it simple and to the point it eliminates a you know the majority of problems in this life and it allows you to really grow in wisdom and it encourages you to be more versatile in your life because if you're just constantly if you're just constantly living the gray area then more than likely you're almost always going to be stressed and then it just makes it more and more difficult to make decisions whether they are complicated or not so i always love it when i can make a decision and it's simple it's easy peasy because then my energy can then be redirected towards those more difficult decisions that may not always be black and white but because i've already handled these other things i now have the mental energy as well as the stamina in terms of my emotions and things of that nature to handle the more difficult situations because i feel like sometimes at least in the american society in the united states we are very much a stressful people sometimes and it's because we've got to make all these decisions all the time and i don't think social media helps by any means so um there are things that i purposely do to make my life as least stressful as possible because i know stressful things are going to come up but i want to make sure that when stressful things do arise that I am on the side of being ready as opposed to not being prepared at all. And if you are mentally or physically or spiritually exhausted, it can make it very difficult to make really good decisions. So let's take a look at the antonyms of joy, which means the opposite. Calamity, ill-being, misery, sadness, unhappiness and wretchedness. Wretchedness is a really intense word, but I know exactly what it's talking about. Okay, so here in this verse we see the joy of the Lord is your strength. Notice it doesn't say the calamity of the Lord is your strength because first of all calamity is not from God. It's from the pit of hell. I think one of the things that has really reflected neg- negatively on the church is that Christians they just they're not standing up first of all to the devil and be like I rebuke you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. and they're just allowing calamity to take over their life. They just think, well, this is just how life is. These things happen. Well, you know, we need to stop living in the world of clichés. Clichés are I can't stand clichés, but to me they're just a cheap way of talking. And I don't mean that harshly, but you know, just from my personal experience, when I stopped using clichés because it was just a bad habit, I realized that I wasn't really forming my own thoughts or words. I was just saying phrases that I had grew, uh, grown up with or maybe I had heard at work and you know what we don't realize is what what we hear is what our brain memorizes, right? So even if you're not intentionally learning clichés, which I doubt anyone is, I know I wasn't, it's just whatever you're around and whatever you hear tends to get rooted into your heart and eventually either blesses your soul or contaminates your soul and eventually breaks your heart if it contaminates your soul. And, you know, words have meaning, they have power, because life and death are in the power of the tongue. We know that to be true from God's holy word. So if we don't want calamity in our life, then we can't speak it. We cannot speak anything over our life and say, well, this bad thing happened to me, I guess that's just how it is. You know, I'm, I'm such and such age, I guess this is what happens when you get to be this age. No, that's not true at all. That is not true at all. Just because there is a common trend towards something happening at a certain age that doesn't mean it will happen to you. And plus, let's say for example, when someone turns 40, they they always have a midlife crisis, which is not true at all. But let's say for example, whenever someone hits age 40, there's something genetic in your chromosomes that triggers a midlife crisis. Even if it was genetically possible or genetically for sure going to happen, I would still rebuke that. because that doesn't come from God. 
anything outside of the of the holiness of God is literally not from God. It's from the devil. And there may be some people listening that think, "Wow, so everything that's bad comes from the devil, huh?" Yes. Yes, you hit the nail right on the head. And here's why. The devil loves to confuse us all the time. He wants us to think that we should just accept anything and everything that is outside the goodness of God and just and that it should just be accepted as as regular everyday life and these are just the burdens that happen and we really shouldn't strive for anything better. No. That is the direct opposite of what God wants for us. His holy word time and time again says to have hope, to have faith, to endure it to the end. It doesn't say give up till the end. It doesn't say whine about it till the end. It doesn't say cry about it all the way to the end. It says endure it. You know, to endure something doesn't mean that you accept it. It means that you are in the process of triumphing over that conflict or that situation and that you're not accepting it at face value. because you value your life and your happiness. I mean, if you don't value your life and your happiness, then these things will happen to you. Calamity, ill-being, misery, sadness, unhappiness and wretchedness. Those are just a guarantee. Because if you're not walking with God and and if you're not making Jesus the Lord of your life, what are you making the Lord of your life? These are choices and these are adult choices as well. I mean, there are kids that understand Jesus at a very young age. I think the age of reason is 7. And that's a wonderful thing. There's some kids they already know they want to give their life to Christ, and that's a great thing. I think kids should have the opportunity to give their life to Christ, and I do think they should have the opportunity to get baptized. I think that's a wonderful, beautiful thing. But what I'm talking about is especially as an adult, what are you allowing in your life? Because whatever you tolerate is what you allow to contaminate. See, because you know, it's one thing to want the goodness of God. See, that's not tolerating the goodness of God. That's embracing the goodness of God. You know, the word tolerate, <coughs> excuse me, the word tolerate really comes from how do I describe this? When we tolerate something, usually that means we back off, we back off away from what we truly believe in, which means we, we're. we are allowing something that is subpar to take place in our life like we're tolerating it when you tolerate something it typically doesn't mean that you like it love it or accept it or that you believe in it that's why it's so important to cling to God's holy word and believe in it wholeheartedly because it will save you it will literally save your soul from hell it will restore your health it will restore mental clarity it will give you wisdom it will make you rich in all things where it's joy happiness money property a good job you know you will be blessed with many children and a wonderful beautiful or handsome spouse i mean whatever the case may be but here's the thing all those wonderful good things are from god's covenant how do i describe this they are from god's covenant and it's it's part of his promise to us Don't throw your covenant away just because the world says one thing like I could care less what the world says about so many things because the world is wrong about a lot of things. I mean, I'm you know there there are times that I'm grateful for the information per se, but I know that my Lord and my God and my King, he has all the answers. That doesn't mean I don't necessarily need advice from somebody, but My advice first comes from God via the Holy Spirit. Which as believers in Christ Jesus, that's really the only route we are supposed to be taking as a first step. Cuz it's one thing if you completely ignore the will of God and you go get advice from someone that's not even qualified, it's another thing if you go to God and ask for advice and he says I know exactly who you need to speak with go to this person and and he might give you a name a phone number or he might guide you to that person or he might introduce you to someone See that's the Holy Spirit working on your behalf to give you guidance and clarity that's very important here So let's go back to this list so it says the joy of the Lord is your strength that's our that's our Bible verse for this podcast right here The antonyms to joy again is calamity, ill-being, misery, sadness, unhappiness and wretchedness. 
This verse does not say that ill being ill being of the Lord is your strength. Ill being will never give you strength. It will only deteriorate your health. So don't ever allow yourself to be in an ill being state, even if it's difficult. You know, you may be fine. <coughs> Excuse me. I need to get a drink. Hold on. My throat is getting dry because the air is dry here in Oklahoma. Excuse me. My apologies for my throat and my voice. Ill being is not from God. And here's the thing: even if you don't believe in God, or you know, let's say you're atheist or agnostic, let me ask you this: Is it wise for you to live in an ill being state? I think we can both agree that the answer is no. It's not wise to live in an ill-being state. You know, it's very, it's very negative, and it has horrible effects on your body, on your cells, on your emotions, on your feelings, on your thought processes. So, being that ill-being is not good for you, even if you don't believe in God, which I truly wish and hope that you do, but even if you don't believe in God. We know that we are not supposed to live an ill-being type of lifestyle. So then, do not partake in it because it it will not bring you to a happy end. It will lead to the destruction of your life, one way or another. The next word is misery. This Bible verse does not say the misery of the Lord is your strength. Misery again does not come from God. Misery is not in the covenant of God. It's not part of the blessing of Abraham, and misery does not give you strength. It zaps you of your strength. It's it's like a soul-sucking power. It's 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 disturbing. Misery. Misery loves company, and the only kind of company that you're going to keep in misery is pretty much anything and everything that is the opposite of God's holy word. It's the opposite of happiness and joy. I bring that up because we need to be careful who we are friends with. You know, when I was younger, and I'm not old; I'm 38 years old. But when I was younger, I used to be friends with pretty much almost anybody, you know, except if they were extremely immoral or, or weird or amoral, or if their lifestyle was just too crazy or weird. It's like I can't be a part of that. But you know, it's interesting is that you can be around people that you think are good people, but if they are just miserable, soul-sucking people that are just very Debbie Downer, then they are not good people to be around. And some of these people are down-the-mouth Christians that hardly ever have anything nice to say, which is just unbelievably stupid to me because I think that if you're a Christian, the only thing that should be coming out of your mouth should be the joy of the Lord, even in tough times. And there may be some people. That gets sick of your happiness, but you know what's interesting is the reason why they're sick of you being happy is because they don't think it's possible to be happy even in a tough situation. They don't think it's possible to be blessed even during a tough moment in time, when it's just the opposite. You can be blessed any time, anywhere, regardless of your circumstances. That's your covenant with God. That's his promise to you as one of his children, and even if you're not a Christian, you know, let's say you're atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, whatever, you still are one of God's children. It's just you're not practicing the right faith, if any faith at all. But even though you may have turned your back on God, He has never turned His back on you. He still loves you, and He's waiting for you to come home to Him. And when I say come home, I don't mean that He's wanting you to go home to heaven right now and not live on this earth. I'm not saying that. When I say he wants you to come home, I mean he wants you to believe in him and give him a chance to help you in every area of your life. He wants you to worship him, so that he can lift you up out of the pit that you're in. Even if you don't think you're in a pit, here, here's what I've learned over the years: Should we enjoy the moments where things are going really good? Yes, but we should not be foolish and think, "Oh, everything's taken care of." I don't need to. I don't need to be concerned about anything anymore. I'm not saying you should live in fear because you never should, but you should not be foolish. The Bible is very clear that we need to be alert and wise. That doesn't mean fearful, stressed, wigged out, or creeped out. Because typically, when people are alert and wise, they're calm. 
It's kind of, one of those things like like protecting your heart. Protecting your heart from lust. Protecting your heart from unhealthy relationships. Protecting your heart from unhealthy forms of behavior. It's just a form of protection. It doesn't mean that you live in a stressed moment all the time or that you're looking for problems just so you can say, "Oh, I'm not going to be a part of that problem." That's that's not what that means at all. It means to, to live in peace in your heart and in your soul regardless of what happens because you know there's that phrase, "Keep your peace." You know, whenever I thought, "Oh, it's too difficult to keep my peace." Guess what? It was too difficult to keep my peace because I had already subconsciously made up my mind that it's too difficult to keep my peace, so I'm not going to live in peace. However, if I have it at the forefront of my mind and I remind myself continuously to keep my peace, then I am in fact retraining my brain and my thought process to steer my ship and my thinking, my will and my emotions and my life choices towards keeping my peace. And the more you do that, the easier it becomes because initially when I started doing that, it was very difficult because I was so used to living in a in a stressed lifestyle and I didn't think it was stressful per se. I just thought that was just life. I didn't know that God could help me with anything and everything. I just wasn't raised that way. But when I woke up to the truth that God can help me in everything, I thought, "Oh man, I wish I had known about this years ago. I wish I had been practicing better stewardship of my mind and of my thoughts and of my of my choices and how and how I view things and how I look at things." Because I missed out on having years of peace. And even though I've missed out on some years of peace, I know that because I have asked God to repay me for those those years that were stolen from me from the devil, I know that God is going to give me those years back 7 to 100-fold. I'm not worried about that at all. See, cuz here's the thing, if the devil can steer, steal your joy, he can steal anything from you. Because even the devil knows that if you have joy in your heart from the Lord, He can't mess with you and that nothing will get you down. And you might be thinking, well, Leslie, there are some things that get me down. Don't allow it. That's what I'm saying. And I'm speaking from the voice of experience here. And I've been through a lot. You know, maybe I will write an autobiography someday. But I mean, seriously, I, I've been put through the ringer on some things. But when you make a choice... to serve God and serve him alone and you're choosing joy. See, I thought happiness and joy, I thought it was just random that it happened. I thought I thought I had no control over happiness. I mean, I love happiness. And I loved whenever it would happen. But I didn't think that I could control that or that I could manifest it in my life and that I could draw it into me. I did not know that. But once I woke up to the fact that I control that, and God wants me to seek joy and happiness all the days of my life then I started to strive for that and only that but only through the avenue or gate of my lord because if i'm trying to have joy and happiness in the ways of the world well what is the what are the ways of the world pornography lust cursing um defamation of character uh saying the lord's name in vain um watching extremely inappropriate shows they may not even be pornography but they're very inappropriate or maybe having an anger issue or maybe not taking responsibility for one's body like you know there there's this i don't know what what it's called but there's this um there's this way of looking at one's body these days that's like i'm just going to be who i am and if you don't agree with what i do to my body then you're the problem and that's the problem cuz i recently came across an artist and i'm not going to say her name not by any means cuz i'm not in a shaming or blaming not by any means but she is excessively overweight like obese and she's like 32 or 33 she's very successful but she's obese and she may have been like that for a long time you know me personally If I were her and I and if I was her age 
well, of any age, really, I would get my thyroid checked. I, I would have my adrenal glands checked. I would, I would get some blood work done to check things out to make sure everything is okay. But here's the thing. We have a responsibility to take care of ourselves. What the world will tell you is that you don't need to be responsible. People just need to accept you. That's not true at all. Because if someone is obese, they are, they are literally marching very quickly towards a heart attack and towards an early death. And that's not right. And it's not right for our society to enable someone like that. Because if you really care about someone, you'll let them know, hey, you need to pump the brake here and you really need to look into what is going on at a cellular level within your body. And your blood work will let you know what's going on. You know, just because someone is overweight or, over, or, overweight or obese does not mean they eat 5,000 calories a day. There are some people that might have hypothyroidism, which means their thyroid is, is not functioning at the right levels. It's, it's not doing its job hardly at all. And your thyroid affects your metabolism. There are so many things that go into having really good health. So my point is this, is that If all we do is go by what the world says to do, we are going to be tossed to and fro like a ship on a sea. It's, it's, it's going to be very stressful. And, and your body and your emotions, you know, they're, they're not going to be stable. You may have these you know, moments of extreme joy or happiness or pleasure, but it's not from God, first of all, if you're getting it from the world. And number two, it's not healthy to do that to yourself. Like, like your body knows when you're not supposed to be doing something because your body is a living, breathing machine. The way that your body knows it's overweight is it produces fat cells, which are called adipose cells. And one of the reasons why it's, it's very bad to be overweight in any way, shape, or form, but especially to be excessively overweight is that in order for you to stay alive carrying so much weight, more than normal, is that your body has to produce extra blood in order for that, for that blood to circulate throughout your body because now your body is larger. So now you have a, a higher blood volume, like literally like liquid blood. Well... That is very strenuous on your body because it's having to make more blood and more red blood cells than it normally would. So it's already creating a type of oxidative stress. Because in order to keep you alive when you are overweight, especially extremely overweight, your body has to compensate for all that extra fat on you, all that extra blubber. And so the more blood you have that's being circulated, the harder your heart has to pump to push that liquid blood throughout your body. Which, if your heart has to work harder to pump that much more blood throughout your body, throughout the circulatory system, it puts stress on your heart, your heart valves, your capillaries, your veins, and your arteries. Oh, and also your blood vessels. That's a lot of pressure to be putting on your body. So my point is this, is that, you know, if, if we put our faith in God and we strive for the joy of the Lord, then we will be guarded and protected from believing in the lies of, of this world and of the devil. Because the devil loves to fool people. He likes us to think that, you know, for example, um, I had a friend, we are no longer friends anymore for obvious reasons once I say this story, but I had a friend years ago that um, thought that pornography was okay and that it should be legal because it's a form of freedom of speech. And this is a woman saying this. And she used to never think that way. But when she went to law school, her, her mind got totally warped. It was disturbing. Like, we were no longer friends after she became a lawyer. It, it was just unbelievable 
how how she changed into something else. She metamorphosized into someone that was like no morals, no values. It was just really weird. It was like she sold her soul to the devil. It's like I don't even know who this person is anymore. She was saying and doing really weird things and she would make excuses and justify her behavior based on these laws. But it wasn't even the correct way of viewing laws because it wasn't moral. And you know what's interesting is that she knows that pornography is one way that young girls and women get stuck in sex trafficking. That's not freedom of speech, that's a form of slavery. It's the sex trade. So, you know, if you're going to go along with the world and what the world thinks, then you're going to be okay with pornography. You're going to be okay with little girls being kidnapped and forced into the sex trade and sex trafficking industry. You're going to be okay with pimps using women, selling them like property and getting rid of them when they're supposedly old and washed up. Like our world it has its good points and its bad points, but here's the thing. We're not supposed to just go along with whatever the world says because our world especially right now tends to live in a very flesh-minded manner. And what I mean by a flesh-minded manner is not holy. No one on the face of this earth is supposed to be used for sex. That includes women, children and men. Because there are men that are used in the sex trafficking industry, and they are used in uh, homosexual pornography. There are quite a few men that are in homosexual adult films that they're not even homosexual, but they do it for the money because they can make a lot of money and they can provide for their families. I think that is so sad. It, it, it's grotesque and sick to me that they would do that, but. they think that that's all they're worth. They think that that's all they can do and they they see the the paycheck and they think, well, yes, it's a health risk. Yes, it disgusts me because I'm not gay, but it's really good money. Our bodies and our souls are worth way more than all the money, jewels, and precious metals on the face of this planet. So don't ever think that you are only worth what you're getting paid. You are worth way more than what you're currently getting paid at any job. So if ever you have a job that is degrading you, especially if it's if it's anything to do with sex, you need to get out of there immediately. I don't care how good the money is. You are not a piece of property. You're not a piece of property to be sold. You're a human being. You have rights and you have dignity, you have value, you have worth. And and here's my personal opinion on some of that. I think that people that are in the pornography industry, I don't think they know God, and if they do know God, they do not have a strong relationship with him because if they did, they would not be using their bodies like that and they would not allow other people to use their bodies like that because our body is the temple. It's the temple of the Lord. And it's precious in his eyes because we are his precious children. And I know that if the people that are in the sex trafficking industry or in the pornography industry if they really believed in the goodness of God they would have joy in the Lord and he would he would give them the strength to walk away from that bad industry and never go back or never get involved in it to begin with but you see pornography in industries like that that use and abuse people and they degrade them especially sexually and morally they degrade them they don't want you to know about god they don't want you to have a relationship with your lord and your savior they don't want you to have strength of your own to walk away that they don't want you to think you can make it without them that's a form of slavery and it's really grotesque i wish pornography was banned from this planet I wish it was completely banned because it has done nothing but ruin lives. It encourages people to be sex addicts, especially men, which when they become sex addicts, 
It, it's like if they have sex with a normal woman, it's never good enough. Or if they're married, their marriages fall apart. If they're a parent, they become a horrible dad. Because then they really don't know how to raise little girls. Because they don't know how, they don't know how to appropriately look at a woman. And if they don't know how to appropriately look at a woman, how can they raise their little girl to know what to look for in a spouse? When they don't even know how to treat a woman properly. It, you know, pornography has really messed up our planet. It has messed up marriages. It has messed up human relationships. It's it's been really bad. It's gotten worse over the years and unfortunately whatever whatever type of sins we legalize is what destroys our societies. Not just in the United States, but pretty much anywhere. And what is what really sucks in regards to this is that you know, in the United States, we are one of the few countries that still claims to be Christian. Whereas a lot of other countries, they may have Christians living there, but they're pretty much secular in terms of how they run their country. You know, we're kind of the last country to actually hold out and be like we're we're Christian. We are a Christian country. But the way that we're selling out on that is we keep legalizing these different ways of degrading the human person, which is very much a sin and a crime and God doesn't like that. But when we have faith and we walk with Christ and we focus on what he wants for our life then we will have joy of the Lord and when we have that joy we will have strength because he he promises he promises us strength you know whatever promises the Lord makes he keeps he's not a fickle individual Everything that God says is yes and amen. So let's take a quick look here at the definition of strength. It says the quality or state of being strong, capacity for exertion or endurance. I really love that word endurance because the Lord promises you endurance. You know, have you ever noticed that when you're sad, sick or depressed, you don't have a lot of energy, but whenever you're happy, you have an abundance of energy and you feel great well this is why it's because god gives you endurance and that's his promise to us the other definitions to strength is power to resist force toughness i love that word toughness next one is power of resisting attack that's really good see we are supposed to have strength when we get our strength from the lord we are able to resist any and all attacks See what the devil does he finds different ways of attacking us. So that's why we need to keep our guard up. Well, one way that we keep our guard up is to have joy in the Lord. To keep our guard up doesn't mean that we're hunkering down in a, in a foxhole and we're just anticipating bullets or something all the time. That's not living a good life. That that's not walking in the blessing of God. Can that type of situation happen sometimes? Yes, for sure. I'm not saying that it can't, but here's the thing. The best way to resist attack is prayer and praise. Pray about your issue and then praise God. Because it totally throws the enemy off track. It confuses him because the devil can't stand joy. He doesn't want us to have joy. He wants us to be miserable. The devil doesn't want us to have strength. He wants us to be weak. Why? So he can, so he can convince us of all these different lies that he tells. See, happy people, happy people are less likely to believe a lie than someone that's sad, sick, and depressed. Because when you're happy and you have joy, you're more likely to question the validity of something that sounds odd. If that makes sense, I'm not saying that happy people don't ever get fooled or anything. or they don't ever get the wool pulled over their eyes. But I'm just saying that's less likely because when you're happy, you know what doesn't make you happy because typically shady things do not make us happy. So that's why I've said in a previous podcast, if you're feeling any kind of sickness or dread, you need to take that up with the Lord immediately because something is going on. And you need to ask the Lord to help you with it immediately so that way it doesn't perpetuate That way it doesn't brew. 
and percolate into something that just gets worse. Let's see here if I see any other definitions here. Uh, let me go to the synonyms. Okay, so some synonyms for strength are energy, firepower. Isn't that cool? That reminds me of that game we played as little kids called Battleship. And you were just hoping and praying that your opponent wasn't lying to you. And they said, no, I haven't been hit, <laughs> you know, on their little battleship. But energy, firepower, force, isn't that awesome? We, when you have strength, te- technically you have the force of God on the inside of you. That's beautiful. And then the next one is horsepower. I love that. And here's why. It reminds me of the Dodge Ram engine. You know, like the 1500, the 2500, the 3500 Dodge Ram uh, engine. So if ever you're not feeling very strong, you need to look up Dodge Ram trucks and I encourage you to look up brand new ones, especially the 3500 turbo diesel engine. Man, if you're not feeling strong, take a look at that engine and you will start to feel alive. It is an amazing engine. It's built very well. My personal opinion is that Dodge Ram is built far better than a Chevy or a Ford. That's my personal opinion. I hope that doesn't alienate any of my listeners, especially if you drive a Chevy or a Ford. But I got to say the Dodge Ram is phenomenal. I love it. Some more uh, synonyms to describe strength is might, muscle, potence, potency, power, and vigor. I love that. Do we have some vigor in the room? Awesome. Now here are some antonyms meaning the opposite of strength. Let's see powerlessness, weakness. Those things are not from God. Like does the verse say the joy of the Lord is your powerlessness? No, does it say the joy of the Lord is your weakness? No, it does not. But you know what's interesting is if you say the wretchedness of the Lord is your weakness, technically that would be a lie because neither of those things come from the Lord, they come from the devil. So we need to call it like it is. The wretchedness of the Lord, or sorry, the wretchedness of the devil is your weakness. Because those are the things that the devil wants for you. The Lord only wants what is good for you. He does not want anything bad for you. So if you're in a church that that is preaching and teaching saying things that are not positive about God or that he takes human life and he brings disease upon people you need to walk away from that because we know that's a lie god is not the author of sickness and disease the devil is the author of sickness and disease but the devil wants us to believe that that god is fickle and he's not everything that god says and everything that god does is yes and amen And he always stays within his covenant. He always stays within his promise to mankind. What you need to remember is that Satan hates mankind. He hates us. He hates us because we were made in the image of Almighty God. Satan was not made in the image of Almighty God, but he wanted to be God. He actually thought he could be God. He thought he could defeat his creator. How dumb and retarded is that? See the devil is not very bright. I think some people give the devil way too much credit and then they get really scared of the devil. I'm like, "You know what? The devil is a loser and a liar. Why give him any street cred when when he's just a big idiot?" I mean, who goes up against their creator and says, "Oh, well, I'm going to sit on the throne and I'm going to defeat you and I'm going to encourage people to worship me, not you." How dumb is that? The moment Satan turned on God, he was thrown out of heaven like a bolt of lightning like immediately and anyone that followed him or anyone that agreed with satan they were thrown out of heaven that's why a third of the angels were were kicked out of heaven see this is why god is not the author of misery or wretchedness or weakness or calamity god is not the author of anything outside of his holy covenant God is only the author of everything that is good and true and holy for our lives. If we hold fast to that, our lives will be so much better every day and we won't have to worry about anything. I mean, can tough stuff happen sure, but 
you know, when you have the joy of the Lord, he will give you strength to not only endure it but to get through it. Because if you don't have endurance, then you're not going to get to the finish line. You know, I used to be a cross country runner in high school. And sometimes it was tough, you know, cuz sometimes we didn't always know the terrain or maybe it had just rained and you know, we didn't always have the right shoes because it kind of depend on if it was gravel or grass or dirt, you know, that kind of depend on whether or not you would use your spikes or not that you would screw in on the bottom of your shoes to to give you more uh, friction or for it to really grip the ground. But here's the thing. If you don't have endurance in a running meet like that, you're never going to you're never going to cross the finish line. So, when it says to endure it to the end, that doesn't mean it's drudgery. It means, "Hey, you're on your way to the prize." You're already winning because you're you're in the race, you're staying in the race and you're not giving up. That's what it means to endure it to the end. And here's another thing, in regards to our faith, we've already won because Jesus paid that price at Calvary over 2000 years ago on the cross. So there's really no reason or excuse for us to be worried about anything. And you might be thinking, well that's easy for you to say. It is and it isn't. It's not easy to say. It's not easy to say because I understand the things that people have gone through because I know I've been through a lot. But at the same time, it is easy to say because I have gone through all this stuff and I've had to run the race. I've had to endure a lot of things to the end. Because in our lifetime it's our job to cross multiple finish lines and the reason for that is because god wants to bless us every step of the way he knows this world is not perfect because we no longer live in the garden of eden that's why we've got tough times sometimes but here's the thing tough times don't last tough people do so be tough You know what really brings me just strange amounts of hope and I don't know why but it's probably because I love documentaries but one thing I I love to watch there's a show I think it's on Discovery but it's also on YouTube they have their episodes on there it's called How is it made or how is that made One of the most fascinating episodes I saw was how either basketballs or racers or rubber is made It is so amazing how that is made. I love to see how goods and products are made in factories. I'm just fascinated by it. But what I find interesting is in almost every episode of how is that made, there's always a testing phase on the products. You know, they have the ingredients, they have the assembly line, they know how it's supposed to work. but for quality control they either always pick a few from the batch to test it or they test every single item to see if it meets the standard for what they're going to be selling it's the same thing in our faith it's the same thing in our life just because we have trial and tribulations does not mean we give up stay on the conveyor belt of God's holy word He will get you to the end. He will help you cross that finish line. And see, here's another thing. You know, I'm 38 years old, but I know that different people listening to this podcast are in different age brackets. Here's the thing: it doesn't matter what your age is, because we are continuously growing as people, as a person, all throughout our lifetime, up until the moment that we pass away. So just because we we turn 30 years old that doesn't mean oh we've accomplished everything we were supposed to have accomplished by the age of 30. Now the next de- decade I'm supposed to accomplish certain things by the time I'm 40. And then I'm supposed to accomplish certain things by the time I'm 50. That's a load of bull. That's horse manure. That's not true at all. Like th- those are unre- unrealistic things of just putting unnecessary pressure on yourself. What we need to be looking at is 
how does God want me to live? What does he want for my life? Because you know what I know, so I speak from personal experience on this. Whenever I put all the pressure on myself, I've got to do this by this time, I got to do this by the time I turn 35, I need to do this by the time I'm 40, guess what? I'm just making my life dreadful. I'm making it unrealistic and I'm not enjoying my life. I'm just making it about accomplishing stupid tasks that may not always bring me joy. I mean, can you can you have a goal for your life? Sure, but what I'm talking about is setting up unrealistic plans for your life that do not line up with what God wants for you. Because what I've noticed is that a lot of plans that people have are not from God, they're from the world. You know, if I follow along what the world says right now, you know, I I would think that how to describe this? If I'm only going by what the world says, then I would think that I'm living a very dull and non-productive life considering all the 20-something-year-olds I see out there on Instagram looking like they're traveling all over the world and live a jet-setter lifestyle. Mind you, a lot of those are fake Instagram accounts, but still, if I'm following what the world says, then then I'm probably going to be very disappointed. See, cuz here's the thing, we're not supposed to please the world. We're supposed to be striving to to please God. We serve him. Because if you serve anything outside of God, you are making whatever you serve your god. And you know what if you if you're in your 20s and you have the jet setter lifestyle, God bless you. God bless you that you have the money, the funds, the time, the energy to do all that. But here's the thing, most people have to have a full-time job. Most people can't can't just pick up and leave whenever they want to. They they have responsibilities whether it's family related, business related or just health related. I mean, there are and also there's social responsibilities. Like there are some people that serve on uh, that they uh, they get what's it called jury duty. You know, if someone gets a jury duty notice, they can't just go, "Oh, sorry, I I'm going to Greece." Sorry. No, the judge will haul your posterior in and be like, "No, you are going to serve on this jury if you're picked." So say say bon voyage to your trip to Greece for right now because you've got more important things to do. You have a you have a civic responsibility to your country. So here's the thing. As believers in Christ Jesus, and even if you're not a believer in Christ Jesus, maybe I should just extend this to everyone. Even if you're atheist or agnostic or whatever the case may be, not a single one of us can afford to, to just follow the whims of the world, because you will always be disappointed. Like you may have some pleasures every now and then. You may have a lot of pleasure. You may have none at all. But Is it really what you're supposed to be doing with your life is my question. Because just because you're happy doing something that doesn't mean you should be doing it. Especially if it's detrimental to your health or to your future. Whenever I think about what does God want from me? I'm not thinking about pleasing my boss. I'm not thinking about pleasing people. I'm not thinking about, you know, what TV shows can I watch for long periods of time? You know, how how can I binge off of the internet or something? I'm not thinking about stressful situations in my life. I I don't care what people think of me. Oh, do they like me? Do they not like me? Does he want to date me? Does he not want to date me? I could care less. God will bring me the right man at the right time. God will bring me the right friends at the right time. I love my boss, but I'm not paid to please my boss. I'm paid to do a good job. See, cuz I've learned this in the past, just because you do a good job or you're really good at what you do, that doesn't mean you'll get to keep your job. There are buyouts and mergers and bankruptcies. I mean, the whole idea or the notion that people should work for an employer for 30 years is out the window. Like the most that people work for an employer is maybe 2 years. And and that's just the unstableness of our economy and the job market and also the competition of the job market. 
So right there we see that, you know, you can't put your faith in anything outside of God. You know, I really I used to put a lot of importance on my job because I love to work. I love to earn a living. I love to be successful. I just do. I always have loved to work. But you know what? When I lost my job, it felt like I had lost everything. Even though I did not lose everything, it just felt like there was a big hole in my chest. Because I lost the job that I that I very much loved. And I also loved or I I lost an income that I had which helped me to provide for myself. It helped me to get access to food, water and shelter. Well, when you lose your livelihood, you learn really quick you can't rely on people to do the right thing all the time. See, if I had been relying on God and God alone, I would not have gotten upset about losing my job. I would have been sad for sure, but I but also I would have known that God will give me a better job. Like I would not have hesitated to think, "Oh, this job ended. Yes, I'm sad. Yes, it's disappointing. It's a little upsetting, but I'm not going to allow myself to react in a stronger way than just slight disappointment because I know that when one door closes, God is going to open a way bigger door and a way better door just for me because God has me on his mind. But when I lost my job several years ago and I really loved my job and I never thought I was going to lose it. But when I did lose it, it felt like the bottom fell out from underneath me like the it's like the floor just vanished. It just shocked me. As Christians, we're not supposed to be shocked by anything. And that may sound shocking to you. But here's the thing. If the joy of the Lord is our strength, then our heart is protected from strong emotions like that. Our heart is protected from fear and anxiety. We we know that things can happen in this world, but they don't have to affect us. I wish I had known that years ago when I lost my job. But here's the thing. I didn't I didn't have the proper perspective of employment. I didn't know that my work technically comes from God. Even though I wasn't working for a church at the time, I basically made my employer my sole provider when I should have made God my sole provider because then if one job doesn't work out, I know that because God is my provider, he's going to provide a bigger and better job, so I don't need to be worried. See, that takes trust. And the thing that really hindered me back in the day was I didn't trust God to come through for me because so many people had let me down over the years. One of my problems was equating human behavior to that of God's behavior and those are two totally different things. And I didn't consciously realize I was doing that until I really examined my faith walk and I, I thought I need to pray about this. Lord, help me to see why am I frustrated. And immediately he showed me some things about myself that were a big part of the problem. I was relying too much on people and not enough on God. That doesn't mean that people aren't important, but people are not our God. They are not our provider. Are they important? Yes. Do we need people? Yes. But we need to put God first, and then everything else falls into place. I pray that that helps you because when I realized that truth right there. That's when I started to have more joy in my life. And the more joy I had in my life, the more strength I developed over time. And the more I re- realized I'm not a weak person. When you're sad, sick and depressed, you feel weak and you know you're weak. And it feels awful. I know what that's like. But the more joy I had and the closer I drew to my heavenly Father and the more I walked with Christ, and i gave him the chance to comfort me in my distress it didn't feel like i was constantly fighting an uphill battle anymore because he took my yoke upon him he helped me with my burdens 
So whatever you're going through, just know that God can help you with anything and everything that you're going through. There's nothing too big or too small that God can't help you with. It's his job to help you. And one way that he helps us is he encourages us to have the joy of the Lord and we will have his strength. He will give us strength to get through whatever we're going through. It doesn't matter what it is. I will go ahead in this podcast, but again, our scripture was from Nehemiah 8:10, excuse me, and the translation is TLB. So until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Don't let this world go down without a fight